Today's Bible reading comes from 1 Kings chapter 8, and we're going to go from 22 to 30, and then picking up at 54 to 61. That's on page 340 if you're reading in the Bibles. Verse 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised and with your hand you have fulfilled it. As it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, You shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your descendants are careful in all they do to walk before me faithfully as you have done. And now, God of Israel, let your word that that you promised your servant David, my father, come true. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Lord my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name shall be there so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Now moving across to verse 54. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, He rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards heaven. He stood and blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us, as he was with our ancestors, May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him, to walk in obedience to him and keep the commands, decrees and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, according to each day's need so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. Thanks, Leah. Uh, and again, it's a real privilege to, uh, to be back at Colonel Light Gardens. Uh, uh, as Jamie said, you know, we are uh, not from Adelaide. Um, And so Colonel Light Gardens was uh, home to us. It was a place where we were, as a family, we came with a six-month-old baby, not knowing anybody, uh, and you were our family. Um, And so if you are just joining the Colonel Light Gardens uh, family since the Tonsley, uh, and I I haven't had a chance to meet you, I just want you to know uh, how great of a place this is. 
um, that you will be embraced and loved. And so I, I, lo- I love um, the staff team here and love many of you. And so uh, it's great to, to be here once again. Uh, there's lots of different um, genres of internet videos right now. Um, I wonder what the sort of favorites are. Uh, I'm not a DIY person, so whenever there's a leak in a pipe, I, I, you know, I jump on YouTube to try to find these DIY, you know, help me, thing, uh, you know, help me figure this out. Uh, if you're a musician, you can just hop online and find lots of videos and tutorials about how to play your favorite Eric Clapton song. Uh, if you are uh, into, um, yeah. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know why this is, but anytime I pull up YouTube, it's some kind of Australian telling me how to invest my money. Uh, I feel a bit, uh, a little um, uh, less than confident in that. Uh, thankfully, I am not to the age yet where my daughter uh, is into makeup tutorials, right? Okay. Uh, but there's one genre of videos that seem to kind of span others, and it's the, I wonder if you've seen them, these are the return um, servicemen and women who return from kind of um, deployment and they come back. Now these videos are set up uh, to um, kind of, t- uh, you know, pull your heartstrings. So, you know, uh, their children or even their dogs haven't seen them in, you know, maybe a year or two uh, and they surprise them. You know, they show, up at, so they show up at the school assembly or on the, on the football field. One of my favorites, and by favorites meaning I cry almost every time, is this uh, little boy who's in some sort of like martial arts kind of test, and he's got a blindfold on, and his dad shows up, and he's sparring with his dad, but he has no idea that he's sparring with his dad. And then the dad starts saying, come on, come on. I, I can't remember the kid's name. And um, the kid... He, uh, um, he, he starts kind of pausing because he, he feels like, I know that voice. And then he keeps talking to him. And then all of a sudden he, he rips his blindfold off and he sees his dad. And he just, I'm about to cry right now. Right. Whoa. Calm down. It's, it's like a Bluey episode for me. So uh, um, it is, it's heartwarming and heartbreaking. What uh, these videos capture is the blessedness of presence. The blessedness or happiness uh, that one has after a long separation. Now, in our modern technological world, we've been able to overcome separateness for, in some ways. Okay? We think about uh, we have videos, we have pictures that we can easily flick to each other. Okay? Uh, during the height of COVID, obviously, as a church, we met online. Uh, we continue to do it at schools at times. We do it at uni, do it at work. Uh, obviously, as, uh, since we're not from Australia and our families are in the States, we do this very frequently. Uh, the technology that we have is a real gift, right? It's a gift, but it does not quite capture the blessedness of presence. So even though my, my family knows my two-year-old son, they had actually never been in the same room with him until June. So even though they have seen him on video for two years, it wasn't like when we arrived in June that they were like, oh yeah, we've seen him. No, no, there was a happiness of holding him when, when he would let them. Uh, it's because there is something about being in the same room. Okay. 
to share in the happiness of community. It shows, shows us that separation is actually not an ideal situation at all. We're meant to be together, and that's because we've been created to be together. In the biblical story, the greatest happiness is expressed when humanity is together with their creator God. Okay? At, at the creation of the world, the perfect, there was a perfect harmony between God's people and God himself. And the created order is shattered by sin. Okay? That harmony of togetherness be, between humanity and God is shattered. But in the midst of the separation that ensues, God works to restore it. And so in our passage that Leah read for us in the passage today, we're going to see how God is working to fulfill his promises, his promises to be present with his people, okay? And the response of humanity, our response then, is to offer our praise and our confession to him as the God who overcomes the separateness, okay? So in the first point in our outline then of our passage, we see that Solomon praises God for his restored presence to his people. Okay, Solomon offers his praise to God because God has fulfilled his promise that a son of David, in this case him being the son of David, has built the temple. Okay, so if we look at verses 15 to 20 there, verse 15, Solomon offers his praise. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. Verse 16, he talks about that God had chosen David to be king. And then in verse 17, it talks about that David loved the Lord so much that David desired to build a temple for the Lord. Um, And then in verses 18 to 20, God tells David, though it's good that you want to do this, it's not going to be you who builds me a temple. Rather, it's going to be your son. And then if you look at verse 20, then The Lord has kept the promise he made. I have succeeded David, my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon is right to praise God. So as as, um, uh, as Jamie reminded um, you last week, you know, 2 Samuel 7, David has desired to build a temple for the Lord. But the Lord told David, this is, though this is good, it is not for you. It will be for your son. And so verse 20 is Solomon recognizing that God has fulfilled this promise, that he has built a temple. Okay? And so this middle section of the book of Kings, this series that you're in, is all about the temple. So chapters 5 to 7. So if you want to put the slide up there, this is just a very uncreative outline of the middle section of the Solomon narrative. So in chapter, chapter five, basically, Solomon is securing the building materials, okay? So if, you're, if you enjoy going to, um, going to Hammer Barn, uh, yeah, yeah, Bunnings and getting all these things, you love securing the building materials. And then he also secures the workforce. Chapter six and seven, Solomon builds and furnishes the temple. The beginning of chapter 7, he builds the royal palace complex. And then at the beginning of chapter 8, he brings in the Ark of the Covenant, the very symbol of God's presence. He brings it into the newly built temple. 
And if you look at uh, 8 verses 10 to 11, these are the kind of climax of the temple, of the ark coming in. What happens here? Well, the glory of the Lord descends upon the temple, and it is so thick with his glory, the priests whose job is to be in the temple can't even minister. They actually have to leave. And so, God, so Solomon praises God. He praises God that he has fulfilled a promise that he has made. And so when God fulfills his promises, his people are to praise him. Because when God fulfills his promise, he is is acting toward our redemption, our restoration. He is giving us more of himself in order that we might become more like him. Okay, So, of course, God is faithful in providing himself for his people. He, He fulfills his promises. He answers prayers. And so the question I think this text raises here is, are we quick to praise God for when he fulfills his promises? Are we quick to praise God when we reflect upon our own salvation? Are we quick to, to praise him in his, in his fulfilling prayers? Prayers of health, prayers of new jobs, of, of prayers of courage, when we ask God for courage to be able to talk to our school friends about the Lord. Prayers when we see his work in the events of our world. So God's people praise him when they see him working. Solomon praises God that he's fulfilled this promise to David. Now, you might be asking, like many people, why is the temple such a big deal? Why is the temple a praiseworthy thing? Okay. Yeah, after all, uh, so uh, Aubrey and I were at Trinity Tonsley. We're at the TAFE. Uh, if you've ever been there, it's actually quite a magnificent building, right? And we're at, we've been there since April, I think, and it's, um, it's been a really wonderful thing uh, to be there. Um, but if you've been a part of Colonel Light Gardens for a while, I think you remember the kind of ongoing nature of what will when will this church plant take place? Where will we be? Uh, the kind of relationship with TAFE took a while, okay? Uh, it was a bit slow going, but I wonder if you, if you were here uh, seeing Matt and Cam's excitement about the lease that came in. I've never seen Matt and Cam so excited. I think only when Matt talks about chicken wings, is, it more, is there more excitement? Now, the TAFE is a very, imp- like it's an impressive building to be in. Uh, we should be thankful to be there, to worship. But it's also um, just a building. It has great functional um, use for us, a place to gather, a strategic place to begin look, reaching out to our community, but it is only a functional space. Okay? But the temple actually has intrinsic significance in itself. It was the place of God's restored presence with his people. After, you know, what I said at the beginning was that God, the garden was paradise. The garden of Eden was paradise. It was the place where God's people and God fellowship together. He walked amongst them and they served him. And sin fractures that relationship and they are exiled from God, pushed away from his presence. Now, 
God, as he has revealed himself a number of times in the Old Testament from that initial exile, he does promise that one day there will be a permanent place for his presence amongst his people. God is restoring his presence amongst his people. And so when Solomon is praising God, it is the idea that God is going to dwell with his people in this place. And that's the goal of all life. The goal of life is that God's people of every tribe, tongue, nation, dwell together with him. The very last book of the Bible, Revelation 21, tells, you know, I love this line from John. It says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with humanity. That is the pilgrimage of the Christian life. It is going towards the new heavens, new earth, where God dwells once again with his people. And so if you ever wonder why do we gather each week, why do we preach from the Bible each week, why do we pray, we are moving toward that day. And so the temple then is the temporary location of God's presence on earth amongst his people. It is the pit stop on the way to the final stop. It is the appetizer on the way to a great meal. And so Solomon then moves, because God is faithful to his promise, he praises God as well because he is incomparable. He praises him because he has fulfilled his promise. And because God is true to his word, he's incomparable. You know, we all love it when people are true to their word. People are honest and they are, they're faithful to who they say they will be, you know. We have these people in our lives, either a friend or a teacher. You can rely on them to fulfill what they have spoken to you, okay? This might be a spouse when things are hard at work, things are hard at home, that kind of, they chip in a little bit more. It's that school friend that when you're just feeling a bit down or things are really rough at school, that they are there for you. They will take care of things, how much greater is it when that promise is being fulfilled by God, when the promise that he has made is being acted upon? So when people are faithful to their word, we, we're not only grateful that they, for doing the thing that they do, but we also are grateful for who they are in their person. It goes to, the, to their very character. This is why Solomon praises God's character, because he's incomparable. Verse 23, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. It's right to respond in praise and thankfulness when God fulfills his promises to us. It's right to say, like Solomon, there is no one in heaven or on earth like you. I have to admit uh, that as a, being a Christian for the majority of my life, I don't feel like when I read this, uh, I feel like I don't have those affections in the same way that Solomon does. To, to be overwhelmed in praise that God of the universe is overcoming my sin. To be present with me in the Lord Jesus. How might we overcome that? That the lack of affection. I was thinking about this. I think um, 
One of the things is just talking about it with one another. I think this is what growth groups are so great at, to encourage one another and remind each other that there is no one like our God. When we go through those hard times, we remind each other that God is faithful to his promises. There is no one like him. We also need to probably, uh, to ourselves, remind ourselves who we were before Christ. We need to remind ourselves what God has actually overcome. This is a part of the reason we, each week, we remind each other of the gospel. When we sing, when we pray, when we preach. These are all reminders of who we are, who we were, and what God has done. That he is the source of our praise. And so knowing who we were before the work of Christ is really vital for our ongoing relationship. It shows, it shows us how we are to respond to him, what he's done. It leads Solomon then to pray and petition God to act now and how to act in the future. God is dwelling in this temple, and the temple then is a place of prayer and repentance. He petitions that God would hear prayers of confession, that this place where God dwells is a place where he listens, the place he hears. But before he he prays anything to God, he also points out the incongruity of this place, that this, this localized temple would be a place where God dwells. So Solomon recognizes that God's presence then, when he is present amongst us, it is his grace, it's a gift. So verse 27 But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. So Solomon recognizes, though God will dwell in this place, this pit stop on the way to the new heavens and new earth, he won't be contained by it. How could he? He's not like us. He is not physically located in a permanent way. You know, he's not like, you know, if you you miss that meeting and the boss says, where were you? We're like, oh, I was there. Like, no, you were in your office. You weren't here. He's not like us. So God is not contained by this building. And so therefore, wherever his presence is, it is his grace. It is his choice to be there because he chooses to be. And this is really good news for us here. It's good news that God's presence is motivated by his love rather than anything intrinsic in us. It's not because you're such a swell person, as swell as you might be, that God chooses to dwell with you. It's his love. And it's good news because if God doesn't dwell with you because you're such a swell person, it also means he does not remove his presence when you are not. It is his love. And so Solomon, after recognizing the fact that God won't be fully contained by his temple... He prays that God would hear prayers of confession and of repentance and that he would forgive the sin of those who pray. So verses 28 to 30, that God would hear and forgive. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Lord my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying. Sorry, I lost my spot there. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said, my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant always prays towards this place. 
Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. I wonder if you caught that. Solomon asked that the temple to be a place where prayers of confession are offered and that God would hear those prayers and restore. So the temple has a major function for God's people. It is a place of confession for sin and forgiveness. In the middle section that uh, Leah didn't read for us in, in verses 31 to 53, Solomon prays then about these kind of various situations that the Israelites might find themselves in and that they might need forgiveness. You know, so verse 32, judge the guilty and vindicate the innocent. Verse 33 is about if they go out to war and God disciplines them by defeat. When there's drought, famine, locust plague, all of the, all this middle section, all presuppose that forgiveness is needed, that sin will be in the life of God's people. And so they, they highlight the underlying issue is that God's people need to be forgiven. And where do you find ultimate forgiveness? As good and, and, as, good as and helpful as self-coping mechanisms and relationships and self-forgiveness are, the place you find ultimate forgiveness is the presence of God. What joyous news. The reality is that we have sin and that it must be dealt with in order for us to be reconciled to our maker. Now, sin isn't something that, uh, that gets spoken of often. Uh, it seems a little medieval to many in our culture, right? The idea that you and I have rebelled against God and his good ways, you know, told that we're old-fashioned to believe in that. But the Christian worldview does teach that Instead of lives being devoted and recognizing the Lord as king, we have sought to be autonomous beings, masters of our own universe. But the Christian worldview says that we must repent of that and be forgiven. And so maybe you're, maybe you're here at Colonel Light Gardens for the first time and have not heard anything like this before. You're here because there's great coffee, morning tea, there's a love of the community, and, and there are lots of other kind of social groups that do these sorts of things. And those are good groups that, that want to do those. But the heart of the Christian faith is the reason we gather is because we have rebelled against God, we have sinned against him, and have been separated from him. But the Christian faith doesn't stop there. It goes further and confesses that in the midst of that rebellion, God has come. He has come in his grace and in his love. He has come and given himself freely in the Lord Jesus. And so how does this work? How does a God who is holy and must send away people for their sin also in his love draw them near? Well, that's the last point here is the need for new hearts in verses 56 to 61. Okay. So, so, God, so Solomon then asked God to remain in order that he might renew his people and incline hearts to him. Let's just look at verse 57. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us nor forsake us. Sorry, let's go to 58 as well. 
May he turn our hearts to him, to walk in obedience to him, to keep the commands, decrees, and laws he gave our ancestors. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel each day according to each day's need. So God's presence leads us to confess sin, but also to have a desire for God's ongoing presence with us. As verse 58 says, may he never leave us or forsake us. It is not a one-time thing, but it is an ongoing life. And it isn't a remarkable, in order for people to follow in the instructions of the Lord, It's not about giving up in despair or mustering up more motivation to follow God. It is about the humble prayer that God would give us hearts to desire and follow him. So just as we are sinners in need of repentance before God, we also need God to do the work to incline our hearts to him. We need a work in us that's ongoing. And so as, as you'll see in the rest of the Solomon narrative as you continue on in this series and in the lives of king after king, there is failure. Spoiler alert if you haven't read Kings. There is failure, king after king, generation after generation of Israel. At times we see moments of repentance as Solomon prays, but there's never ongoing obedience. There's no ongoing fellowship. That sort of ideal life in the garden is nowhere to be seen. And so it shows us that if the ongoing promises of God are going to be fulfilled, there needs to be divine action. God is going to have to do something. There needs the failure of these kings, even great kings, It anticipates the need for God to do a miraculous work in the heart of his people. God's going to remove his presence. He's going to subject the temple to destruction, this temporary place of his presence. But the good news is that there are books after the book of Kings. His promise to be with his people was still intact, even though the temple was gone at the end of the book. He's going to build another temple. And the cornerstone of that temple is going to be a divine place in the Lord Jesus. I love uh, the way the Apostle John talks about this in John 1, that, uh, that Jesus tabernacles amongst his people. He temples amongst them. He, he uses the tabernacle temple language because he sees Jesus as the ultimate source of God's presence because he's fully God. Uh, even when Jesus confronts the religious leaders of his time, he you, t- speaks about his body and temple language. Destroy this body, and in three days I will raise it up. Speaking about his death and his resurrection. And as uh, the Lord Jesus is God among us, he atones for our sin. He resurrects it to life. And how do we, where do we find forgiveness? Well, we, we pray to him. We confess sins to him trusting that when we do confess our sins, that he is faithful to forgive. The remarkable thing is when we do that, he grants us a new spirit. Just as Solomon anticipates the, the need for God to incline our hearts to him, 
what does the Lord Jesus do? He gives us new hearts in his spirit. And so as new creations filled with the spirit of God, the church becomes a part of that temple. And as a part of that temple, the church then has the duty to take God's presence to the ends of the earth. Look at verse 60. So that the people of the earth might know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Uh, was last week I had a chance to, uh, to have a call with Malcolm Purdy as he was in Chile. Once again, the great privilege of technology. And that's exactly what we do as a church when we at Colonel Light Gardens and at Tonsley, at Tonsley as we support the Purdies. It is because God has come, he has been present with his people, he has inclined our hearts to him, and we take the gospel forward to the ends of the earth. And so friends, let me close then by reminding that God has fulfilled his promises to be present. He has come in the temple, as we've seen here in our passage today, but he has ultimately come in the Lord Jesus. So let us give thanks together that God has come that we can offer our praise, our confession, our repentance, asking him to incline our hearts to renew our affections for what God has done in order that we might, as Solomon prays, continuing to take God to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a a God that, that there is none like, that you have come to us to be present, that you desire love and fellowship. And so we thank you that you have come. We ask that you would incline our hearts to you in order that we might serve you and love you well and love one another and the nations. And so God, we pray that you would receive our praise, that you would delight in it, and that you would continue the ongoing work to be present with us. And so, Jesus, we pray this in your good and mighty name. Amen.